Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Yo, I dare say, we've returned. Behind the bastards, England. No, there's this from the horn. There's my. I That's my terrible English accent. Boy, we are both. Neither of us are very good yeah. at this. I'm remember. No, I'm now that being was my reminded. Northern of, Ireland calling somebody a ball bag. <laughs> how much hey, better Gareth bag. from the Dollop is at doing an English accent? Yes, Lord. Oh, sir. Gareth is an Irish name. Mm-hmm. I think his mom is actually English. If I'm remembering the Dollop episode that his mom came on. Um, Oh. Or at least ethnically. I have a friend who's ethnically British. It's a weird situation. His parents. You don't meet any many of those. No, his. But he, yeah, he he has never been outside of the United States. Was born and raised here, but his parents are both English who came here in like their late twenties. So That's he. Crazy. I it's, don't know many people like that. It's weird because he doesn't have. Like he 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 grew up in Texas, so he like talks like most Nothing other Texan. Well, except yeah. for every now and then he'll say like he doesn't say bathroom. He says bathroom. Like there's there's all like, there's these little bits where it's like oh I can tell that you like were oh, raised by somebody who didn't sp- speak like British. a Texan yeah, yeah. also that's amazing. he exclusively drove sobs most of the time that I knew him okay. when we were younger because his so dad hints. had like, like thirty of them taken child. apart on his lawn <laughs> that's amazing he's got a jeep yeah. now last nah, time my I checked boy Gareth mm-hmm. uh, Wilkerson mm-hmm. I think that's his last name but he's very Northern Irish mm-hmm. so he would say stuff like ball bag mm-hmm. oh I and love like. I love it. I am ball bag. Hey, I'm ball. I was like, dude, I love your slang. I, love I, I, I got a lot of shit, rightfully so, for, for my, mm-hmm. my, the last time I did an Irish accent on this show. But I will say some of my favorite moments in Ireland, and I had another version of this in England, is like you get drunk with your friends and you try mm-hmm. each other's accents on. And the, the particular oh, thing, great. one of my buddies who is 
uh, Irish, but grew up in England for reasons that we will be talking about in this episode, because that that happens to a lot of people in this period. um, But the thing that he couldn't get over was the differences in how we pronounced banana. So there was like a long drunken conversation that was just me saying banana to and then then him being like banana, because we were making fun (laughs) of how the others (laughs) yes (laughs) could not get over the banana. Yeah, <laughs> so great. Um, it's Why one you of say banana. One of the real joys of hanging out with people who speak English but are not from the United States is is making fun of how you each pronounce the same words differently. Um, yeah, I remember I was trying to like tell one of my like my uh, my friend who's like you know born and raised in London, but they're Punjabi Indian, you know, and so obviously that's quite a quite a ride in yes. accent situation. Oh boy, right? Yeah, yeah, but. I kept saying like, why y'all spell stuff like that? Like, what's this you for? Like, why y'all like, what, <laughs> what's, what's this wrong with you this? For? Yeah, and, and he was like, he goes just as calm in the most British way possible. He, he was just like, yo, it's interesting how like you keep telling me that we're spelling things wrong, but the language is called English because it's from England. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, touche, touche. Touche. That's hilarious. I have no comeback. He just said in the most British, just as a matter of factly, like, well, it's called English because it's from England. And one of the things that was always really interesting to me is where I grew up for a decent chunk of my, like, adolescence, um, the school that I went to in North Texas had a a really high population of people from the Indian subcontinent because, like, their parents Mm -hmm. worked for Texas Instruments or for Raytheon or something. Um, And so there were people, most of them had been born in India but had come over here pretty young, and they had learned English from Americans. And then I went over to India where the people that I was talking to who spoke English had learned English from British people the generally, British. and so yeah. and it's really di- it's interesting, like how the how how differently yeah. people say, especially since as an American, like most of your contact with people who speak English as a second language is people who learned it from an American, and it really yes. is like a different beast, and there's different types of like um, different idioms that people pick up and yeah. stuff as 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 a second language speaker when they get taught, you know, by one of the yeah. other. Yeah, when he picked me up, when he picked us up from the airport, he was like, "Hey, I hadn't seen him." He was like, "Hey, you know, look, look." Look, we're, we're, we're two brothers. We're Asian dudes. I was like, all right. I walked by them dudes three times <laughs> because I'm like, hey, man, you said you was Asian. Well, yeah, because we, yeah, we use it differently than they do over yeah, there. Yeah, he like, was yeah. like, oh, yeah. He goes, he goes, yeah, Americans, for some reason, don't think India is a part of Asia. Yeah, which is the weird. Most, again, <laughs> yeah. The you most look at British... a map and it's like, well, yeah, it's right. Yes. It's right in there. Like, <laughs> it's just that's, again, the most British, yeah. just like condescending mm-hmm. but nice way to say yeah well because india is a part of asia uh, yeah because it's like, like you know how they share that giant land border with china <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? it's, it's the yeah part of asia and i yeah. was like oh yeah oh yeah i guess i, I guess i go. guess you're right <laughs> yeah yeah it's like whatever you guys are saying that wrong mm-hmm. like, okay so <laughs> yeah Anyway, let's talk about this horrible crime against humanity. Um, yes. The coming of the blight, this this potato mold, and it's airborne. Like, this is a nasty fucker to hit you. And now there's ways to deal with the, these now. Like, I think it's a copper sulfate solution that you can spray on hmm. your tubers and stuff. There's People have, like, developed ways since. 
And obviously, one of the better ways to deal with it is to grow more than one kind of potato, because there's that one kind yeah. of potato may be vulnerable, but another kind won't. And if you, yeah. although, you know, you can cross, but whatever, there's there's options. But we didn't have a lot of that. They are they do start to figure them out. And in fact, there's some very smart people when the blight hits who are starting to figure out that like, oh, there's different things you could spray on these. So it it, it hits Ireland. And it's uh, it's obviously it's not great, but 1846 it doesn't hit that hard yet. Um, there's mm-hmm. only six counties in Ireland that lose more than a third of their crop, which is significant. It is devastating in a lot of ways, but it's not yeah. as bad as it's going to get. Um, now, mm-hmm. what this does mean, though, and it, it all kind of compounds. So one of the things about potatoes, I've been growing potatoes for a couple of years. I'm not an expert at it, but one of the things that you do if you're growing potatoes and you're not somebody who can just go to a gardening store and pick up seed potatoes every year, is when you Mm -hmm. harvest potatoes, you set aside a chunk of your harvest as seed for the next planting season. And you don't eat them. You, like, keep them and and let them kind of chill in a a cool, dry place so that they you can plant them next year. Um, And generally, the, the... Broadly, a lot of factors can affect this, but broadly speaking, per one pound of potatoes you plant, you can get between five and 10 pounds of yield, right? It depends on okay. a lot of factors, but uh, that that's kind of back of the envelope math. So usually uh-huh. you might set aside like a third, a quarter of your harvest, something like that as seed potatoes. Well, if people are losing a third of the harvest and we, as we have established, Irish farmers do not have extra of anything. So no. you lose. And, and as a side note, city boy here checking in, first time caller, yeah. long time listener. Um, what's a potato seed? It's like a potato. You could just like if it's you just were a to potato, right? If you were to have a bag, you've had a bag of potatoes, and like yeah, and then they you start leave rotting them. on the bottom of the yeah. If they start rotting and get all like goopy, then that's not good. But if they just start to usually first, what they'll do, and it kind of depends on how you store them, but they'll. They'll sprout, right? You'll see like yeah, little, a little ear. If you plant little, those little. under like an inch or two or so of dirt with like, you know, four or five inches underneath it, um, they'll, it'll grow into more potatoes. Um, what now, an incredible crop. It's it's okay. pretty cool. Now, the one the potatoes you do buy in the grocery store, they don't tend to, you're best off buying, generally buying seed potatoes because they're meant to actually grow. Whereas like, and there's a bunch of comp, but as okay. a general rule, yeah, you plant the, if you, if your potatoes start to sprout and you throw them in the dirt, you'll get some more potatoes. Um, but so Magical. part of, part of I how they, anyway. people survive in Ireland is, you know, you set aside this chunk of your crop for seed yeah. for the next harvest season or for the next planting season. But when they lose a third of their crop to this plague, they have the same caloric needs they had the year yeah. before, but they have less potatoes. And at some point, when you start to get hungry, you're going to dip into those seed potatoes, which are just of as, course. they're fine. If they're normal potatoes. You can eat them. But when you eat your seed potatoes, what are you going to do next year? You have no seed exactly. potatoes. Or at least yes. you have, it's, it, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's another problem. Some of these seed potatoes get infected with the blight and people don't realize it until they like go, oh, like man. unseal it to go plant. And they realize that like they don't have as much to plant or they don't have anything to plant. Um, but as a result of all this, like the first year of the, the so-called, of the, the, pota- the so-called potato famine, right? Yeah. Um, the first year of it is the least devastating, right? Because it hasn't killed as much of the crop yet. And people mm-hmm. have, because of the, these kind of seed potato stocks, they have a little bit of like um a little bit of like wiggle room the well, other thing okay. they have is the english government at this point is headed by a guy named robert peel um and peel is not the worst guy 
that there's going to be okay. running the English government in this period. There's a lot of criticisms okay. of what he did too, but he's he's. we'll talk about him in a second here. Could be worse. Uh, it is important okay. that I reiterate here, as we talk about this famine, as we talk about what's happening to these farmers and the desperation they're entering in, Ireland has plenty of food to feed everyone living in Ireland. The famine is not caused by a lack of things that, to eat that are being grown on the island. Wow. It is caused by the failure of a crop that causes a surge in food prices, which puts avoiding starvation outside of the budget of most Irish families. It is not that there isn't food. It's that they can't afford not to starve. That is an important distinction. Yeah. Um, at the time the famine started, one quarter of all Irish grain crops were being exported. Three-fifths of the island's total agricultural output is being sold outside of Ireland. So 60% of the food produced in Ireland does not stay there. Yeah, you got to Yeah. During the years of the famine, the population of Ireland at the start is about 9 million, and Ireland is growing enough food to, fill an estimate, to feed an estimated 18 million people. So again, when people say you shouldn't call it a potato famine, it's because there shouldn't have been a famine shouldn't have been a famine there's plenty of food Yo, I, <laughs> there's yeah. ample food <laughs> yeah there's plenty of food Yo, yeah when like so i'm working on i just did two, recorded two of them uh sort of like for hood politics kind of like an economic version of hood politics i'm kind of just calling it like how much a dollar costs and really just this idea of how inflation and commodities, goods and service, like how that stuff kind of works. Like in, in, in what you're explaining right now to where it's like essentially like my caloric intake, which is yeah. the equivalent of like my cost of living. Like yes. it hasn't changed. There's just not enough yeah. stuff anymore that is available for me to consume yeah. because all the stuff that I have I don't really own. I got to give it to somebody else. So it it makes for a situation where it's like, if I can only, if I only have 30% of what I'm producing to work with, but my 30% just became 15%, I don't, I don't end up being less hungry. Nope. You know what I'm saying? I just have to make less last longer, but that's impossible because it costs more yeah. than it did when I had more. Yep. And you're, yeah. Yeah, that's and, that's what's happening here, kind yes. of in in broad, um, yeah. and and most of the food that is being grown in Ireland, then while there is this famine developing, most of the food being produced in Ireland is being shipped out of the island as soon as it's harvested. Mm -hmm. One observer at the time noted, a ship sailing into an Irish port during the famine years with a cargo of grain was sure to meet six ships sailing out with a similar cargo. So, like, ships bringing in food aid are seeing larger amounts of food leave the island for export. It's got to be maddening. Yes, it is. It, <laughs> it is, is it's maddening. <laughs> this will become part of the justification for decades yes. of insurgency and rebellion. <laughs> it, yes. it really does piss some people off. Um, so, the obvious question you're probably asking here is, couldn't they have just stopped or reduced exports and thus kept food prices low enough that people wouldn't have starved to death? And the answer to that question is, yes, it would have been extremely easy to do that. It would have been fine. It would have been but very happily. easy. But food exports were how Irish farmers paid their rent. So, if you yeah. stop food from being exported, you would have to stop evictions, too. Because otherwise, you would have people who could not pay their rent... And landlords who weren't allowed to kick them off their land. 
And that would be violating the rights of the landlords. Oh, man. So There's nothing new. There's nothing new, bro. Since the English government's not willing to do that, they decide the next yeah. best option is to bring more food into the country, which is producing enough food, but bring in worse food, cheaper and lower quality food, uh, and put enough of it onto the market. Again, they're not trying to, they don't, when they're importing f- food aid, it's not that they need to bring in enough food to feed people. It's that they need to bring in enough food to reduce the price of food that people can afford it, you know? And that aid organization stuff could afford it and whatnot. Like a lot of oh, a lot man. of the way people get aid food is like the the Catholic organizations will like yeah. buy up a bunch and then distribute it mm-hmm. and stuff. And like one of the things we're not really gonna get into it a lot, but like the Catholic clergy in Ireland, and there's a lot of criticisms yeah. to make of the church in Rome, but in Ireland, the Catholic church clergy is supported by the people who live there. Um, yeah. And they do, the Catholic clergy in Ireland do a tremendous amount of aid work yeah, to try to work. deal with yeah. this. Whereas the Protestant clergy who are paid for by like Irish taxes, essentially, right? The Irish are supposed mm-hmm. to, are paying for the Protestant faith to an extent, are not doing that. Um, not to yeah. say that none of them do, because there are in fact Protestant totally. ministers who do quite a bit. But like in broad, this is one of the things that's mm-hmm. seen as happening. It contributes to like a lot of the anger and hatred that's building in this period between Catholic and yeah. Protestant, right? Um so the the Peel government decides, all right, we can't forgive rent and stop exports, so let's just bring in shitty food, right? Kind of, that's the idea. It and, just seems like, yeah. man, like, okay, if this, you're, you're purposefully choosing the hardest way to do this. Yep. Like, uh, just, well, but it's not it, even efficient, I, I, guys. The, like, they, it's the hardest way for the people who have to live on the island. It is the easiest way for British politicians who then do not have to fight a politically powerful class of landlords as much. As much. As much. <laughs> so, the thing, the food that they specifically, the Peel government brings in is what they call Indian corn. And this is corn grown in the United States. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Irish are growing corn, too. The Indian yeah. corn they're importing is a, coarser, is a coarser and harsher grade of corn than the Irish mm-hmm. are used to. It has to be milled in order to make it edible. You have to mill it in ways that they had not been, they didn't need to mill the, cor- the corn that was grown on the island, mm-hmm. that they couldn't easily do with the existing equipment. A lot of workarounds have to be found in order to make this corn they're importing edible for Irish people. Um, they have to soak it for, like, days to make it soft enough. Like, one of the problems is that when people start really starving they won't soak this stuff enough and it'll tear up yeah. their stomach some people die because like the, wow. their bodies can't handle how how coarse and harsh this corn is while they're starving right um but still importing this indian corn when, when the peel government does this and they sell it cheap they don't give it away but they sell it very yeah. cheap in fairly small quantities this does enough to lower prices that a lot it stops mass death in the first like year or so okay. of the famine this is broadly speaking tim pat coogan and, and there's some historians that disagree with him there are people who are a lot more critical of peel coogan's uh-huh. attitude is that by doing this peel stops a lot of people from dying right away that this is a broadly effective aid strategy um and i i yeah we'll talk a little bit more about that later um but yeah this starts this is not popular within English politics. And in fact, it kicks off what is maybe at the time the most vicious political fight in like modern English parliamentary history. Um, it was perfectly legal for government for the government to buy corn and sell it in Ireland, but yeah. selling it cheaply enough that the Irish could afford to consume it 
could be seen as a violation of what are called the Corn Laws. Now, these are first put in place in 1815. They're a set of tariffs meant to protect English farmers from being ruined by cheap foreign grain. And the effect of these laws, it's not just about corn, it's about the price of corn, barley, wheat, and other grains. Yeah. Um, but the purpose is to, so it, it ensures that grain only gets more expensive in Ireland in order to protect English farmers from being ruined by imports of cheap Irish grain, right? Or cheap foreign grain, right? Like that's the purpose of these corn laws. They are, they keep food very expensive in Ireland, but they ensure profits for the English are kept at a certain level. Um, at th to me, this again, this goes back to being like, you choosing the most complicated way to solve this problem. Cause I'm like, you just, oh, now I can't get, okay. So we gotta, okay. So you won't let me, you won't let them eat what they grow. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna have to take what they grow and then give them worse versions that yeah. they gonna have to do all this other stuff to eat. But then you mad that I'm lowering the price because you can't sell yours. Like this is so. Listen, uh, when when my daughter was younger, she did not want her door to be shut into her bedroom, but she also didn't want our door to be shut to our bedroom but she didn't like the light coming out of our bedroom nor did she like the temperature from the living room changing so her solution was everyone like she, the temperature in her room wasn't happy she wasn't happy with the temperature mm -hmm. in her room so her solution was everyone else shut their door and I can leave mine open where I'm like, here's a simple solution, baby. Shut your door and all the problems are solved. You don't have to see our light. You don't have to experience the temperature in the living room. You don't have to hear the sounds coming from outside. Just shut your door. And her solution was, well, how about everybody shut everybody else shut their doors? And, and I'm like, well, baby. We're not going to all we're not going to do that just because you won't shut your just shut your door it'll be fine so to me i'm like this is what i this is what i'm picturing i'm just like fam lower your rent well, just lower your rent and the problem is solved we'll talk about we're about to talk about why they don't do that but it is worth noting yeah. that like one of the reasons why they opt for this coarser kind of seen as like worst grade of corn is that maize is not being which is the kind of corn that like they're they're yeah. bringing because there's types of corn but like the, the kind of corn the, that they call indian corn is not being sold by english farmers and so it's not yeah. it doesn't fall under these corn laws that's it why peels a yeah that's why peels able to get away with it um yeah. but again he also wants to peel wants to get rid of these corn laws in order to make it easier to bring food aid into ireland which pisses yeah. is is drives people insane there is vicious resistance to him and to understand the resistance to this plan we have to talk about laissez-faire capitalism um you do because you're yeah. talking about people that are mad mm -hmm. that you can't sell at a certain price but hey numbnuts you're selling to your no one can afford your price point well so i don't understand what the hell why are you, what are you talking about anyway go well ahead, yeah we're about to get into that the evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. 
countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams, constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames, timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards, and there's so many rewards to discover, rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So the most foundational mind of this school of thought is a, a, an economist named Adam Smith. Um, yeah. and, and Smith believed that, in short... That healthy economies are made up of individuals who are working for their own self-interest and that this benefits society by creating competition in the free market, right? We're all broadly familiar with these ideas. Smith, Keynesian, yeah, this yeah. is what we all, yeah, we S live on. Smith's things. most influential work, The Wealth of Nations, is published in 1776. Uh, his work is very influential to the people generally, re generally referred to as the founding fathers of the United States. Mm -hmm. And he was very much beloved by English politicians. Um, in 1821, a group of them formed the Political Economy Club to discuss his ideas and to try to come to more conclusions about the principles of political economy, right? People are in this period starting to think about 
economics in kind of a more scientific sense and the political yeah. economy club it's actually today is the oldest economics association in the world mm -hmm. um so this is one of the first places where people are really trying to like put together organized theories of how economic life and policy works yeah in 1845 when all this starts to happen um, this is where some of the most influential parliamentarians and government officials in the British Empire would go to, like, shoot the shit out of what should be done in terms of economic policy. Yeah. And these guys are all in very strong agreement that e England should not intervene directly in the famine in a way that would allow people to get Irish people to get food without paying. Right. You cannot yeah. fuck with the free market. That's their attitude. You cannot make any do anything that you do that interferes with yeah. the free market. It would be worse than just letting people starve to death. That's the I, that is the conclusion, broadly speaking, that these folks yeah. all come to. As club member Jeremy Bentham wrote, "Quote: Laissez-faire, in short, should be the general practice. Every departure, unless required by some great good, is a certain evil." Now, you might take from that that, like, well, stopping a lot of people from starving is a, a great good, but. He does not feel that way. And that's no. what we're about to get into. Tim Pat Coogan oh writes, A central figure in the debate was a classical economist, Nassau Williams Sr., the first professor of political economy at Oxford University, preached, among other things, that it was not the duty of the state to alleviate poverty that came through the fault of the individual. English poor law owed a great deal to his theories, and during the famine, Whig apologists would see to it that the idea of Irish culpability for Irish poverty would become widespread among the British public. Lazy beds was used as a term of derision to indicate that the Irish even brought their laziness to bear on their potato cultivation. Nassau Sr. criticized Irish landlords for neglecting the duty for the performance of which Providence created them, the keeping down population. So Nassau's like, this, number one, we can't do anything, we shouldn't do anything here, but also, this is only a problem because these landlords did not do enough to make it impossible for Irish people to breed. Yes. Yeah. So listen, like, I, I am like, I, when we started the first episode of this, I was like, I'm ready to be triggered. And now I'm at this trigger because we're still to this day trying to explain to people how dumb they sound when they say this. Um, because I like I say all the time in my credentialing program as to becoming a California high school teacher, the third part was you have to take you have to pass this test on economics, be able mm -hmm. to teach high school. And I failed it three times. One three times because I understood the principles, but I didn't understand the, the vocabulary. Like I just didn't know the words, you know what I'm saying? Which was again, some of the, the genesis of politics to where it's like, I know what I'm talking about. I just don't know how to talk about what I'm talking about. But, but some of it was because your theory is absurd to me. And I'm like the idea that, cause, cause look at in what you just read, the the founding principle is the government shouldn't solve a problem created by the individual. The but the individual didn't create the problem. The government did. And that's and that's, that's why I'm like, I don't understand your principle. You made the problem. So how are you? Your free market ain't all is already not free in the first place. You create like so I'm just like, I don't understand how this is a principle. How is this a 400 year, 300 year old principle when the foundation axiom of it don't exist? So I'm, I'm always like, I don't I, that. So I think whenever I had to like answer questions about this in school, I would be like, but it don't make no what you saying don't make sense. I mean, you know, like, yeah, I just but they he, don't. Here's the thing, yeah. though. Like, yes, 
we can say, uh, obviously, the problems that people are saying are as the fault of the Irish people are like problems as the result of the policies this state has enacted and this imperial government has enacted. Yeah. Uh, and it's not their fault that they are suffering. That is not the attitude of these intellectuals who are, this is way prior to the development of like prosperity gospel and that kind of stuff. Totally. But the same ideas feed into it. This idea it's, that like, it's the same. if you have money, if you're doing well, it's because God wants you to be. And if you're impoverished and you're suffering, it's because you have done something immoral done something that has wrong. caused God to. <laughs> and which is like, yeah. even, even with the prosperity shit, it's like, I mean, the, the oldest manuscript in the, in the, in the Bible is Job. And Job is shooting down that, the whole point of that, that book is to shoot down that idea. I mean, I can't think of anything that matters less in terms of public religion than what's actually in the Bible. (laughs) It seems as though. Why would that matter? (laughs) Are are y'all reading what I'm Mm -hmm. reading? Mm Because it seemed like this book is, is basically saying the principle you just said Mm -hmm. is wrong. Seems like, seems like. Jesus of Nazareth probably would not have been a big laissez-faire economics dude. I don't think he would. Uh, he, I just doesn't, like, doesn't I, seem I hate like to read it. back into the past, but I'm saying it just, it just, uh, and it's like this, I, you, you feel like, I mean, I always felt like even in discussing this stuff, it's this, it, like you made the comparison to like the plight of black and brown people and indigenous people in the, in, in America saying that like, well, y'all lazy. Y'all can't get this stuff together. You have the same opportunities we are. And it's like, are y'all serious? Do y'all remember the laws y'all made? Like, what do you, like, you understand? You, you understand you made those laws. Well, so but how are you saying, like, I don't. God made the economic principle, you know? And, yeah, and if I, fault. if I know one thing about Jesus of Nazareth, it's that he would never have given free food to people. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> that's you not a thing saying? he did that's repeatedly he in the did. bible that's not that a big part of the bible of the gospels that didn't yeah that didn't Je- happen. jesus set that, up um, a, a yeah. fish stand where he sold fish and chips for you know a tidy profit and he made sure he, that everybody mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. was legal citizens yep and then he reinvested the profits into purchasing apartment houses which he he used in order to fund the startup of a blood testing company called I don't know why I took this to the Theranos direction. Um the Theranos that's an amazing mm-hmm. spin anyway. It, it's fun. So Nassau senior this this guy who is this major proponent of laissez-faire economics in this in this economics mm-hmm. club um was in agreement, like, one of the other dudes who was prominent in this club is a fellow you've probably heard of named Thomas Malthus. Um, yes. We should probably talk about Malthus someday. He get, he deserves an episode of his own. But but Malthus is the first intellectual um, who really expounds upon the idea that overpopulation causes famine, right? Thus, yeah. if a famine occurs anywhere, it is because of overpopulation. And if you take steps to alleviate that famine... All you will be doing is ensuring that overpopulation gets worse, and so yeah. you should not take steps. You should let the famine run its course, right? Otherwise, you're just going to make the problem worse. Now, as we have established, the famine, this is not the yes. result of overpopulation, right? At all. Um because again, as the Irish population does triple over the course of about a century, but economic, they're, 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 the, the, the amount of food they are producing also increases pretty massively, right? They are growing plenty of food. 
Um, but Malthus's idea is that the work, it is the responsibility, the moral responsibility of the working class to not breed too quickly. And if they breed too quickly, it's nobody's job to take care of them, right? Malthus famously said this when discussing the plight of poor men. Quote, if he cannot get subsistence from his parents, on whom he has a just demand, has no claim of right, he has no claim of right to the smallest portion of food, and in fact has no business to be where he is. And what Malthus is saying here is that, like, the only people who owe you anything are your parents, right? And you can ask them yeah. for food and they got to give it to you, but you have no right to exist inherently, and you certainly have no right to food. Yeah. Now, 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 go and hand me them cucumbers you just grew for me. Not that, yeah, exactly. And this is part of what makes it so messed up. Like, it would be messed up if he was just saying this to, like, starving refugees, but he is saying this to the people growing the food. <laughs> like, the, as he's much, as he's munching yeah, on a cucumber. Yeah, as he's eating the shit like, they man, make. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, bro. Uh, yeah. Like, you shouldn't have had all them kids. Ooh, 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 let me get that tomato. Mm -hmm. Oh, that looks good. Yeah. Yeah. That the tomato you just grew for yeah. me. But that's my land, though. So, like, I mean. And, and Malthus, there's this sir. other, because he's, he's also very specifically anti-Irish. Um, he argues that because of how close Ireland and England are, England mm. is always at threat of poor Irish people, like, flooding into England and draining the economy by driving down wages and fucking up trade, right? God, just, uh, yeah. just history, uh, so many historical experts are just, uh, just They're the same kind of asshole, sociopaths. Right? Yeah. Like, like, you've got a million people saying the same thing today about different groups of people, but it's always it the is. same about attitude. About welfare, about yeah. all this. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's the same argument. And, and Malthus maintained, quote, the land in Ireland is infinitely more peopled than in England, and to give full effect to the natural resources of the country, a great part of the population should be swept from the soil. So you you see these people, they're, it's not just that, like, they've built a system that is leading to famine. There's a conscious understanding that they want to depopulate Ireland yeah. through policy. Um, another big advocate of this uh, is a fellow named um, Edmund Burke. Um, and, and, and Edmund Burke is a, an Irish man now he's a he's a wealthy irish person Clearly. um but he he he's also against government intervention in this this growing famine um and he his basic attitude is that like you shouldn't intervene have the government intervene when there's a problem quote it is not by breaking the laws of commerce which are the laws of nature and consequently the laws of god that we are to place our hope of softening the divine displeasure to remove any calamity under which we suffer so burke's attitude is if there's a famine, if there's any kind of problem that a, a population is suffering under our economy, that is the will of God. And if the government yeah. steps in to help people, that is a violation of, like, you are you are sinning against God. You're sinning against the <laughs> yeah. God of the universe. I just, I just don't understand what... If God wanted them to eat, they'd be eating, you know? I just don't... Yeah, I'm just like, what, what page is... What page y'all on? I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I where'd you find that school. one? <laughs> where you, where, what page we are? I know. I mm -hmm. thought we was on. Yeah. 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 I don't know. What chapter is this? So Edmund yeah. Burke, by the way, is the dude commonly credited with the quote. You'll, you'll see this on like every Holocaust movie or something that came out in like the 90s. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good mm. men to do nothing. Um, now, he never said that. It was probably from John Stuart Mill, although he never said exactly those words. It's one of those, yeah. you know, how like 90% yeah. of the things that Thomas Jefferson gets quoted for saying were never said by Thomas Jefferson, right? Yeah. Whatever. It's one of those. Yeah. It's one of those quotes. Um, uh -huh. But anyway, he kind of sucked. Um, not, a, not a cool dude, in my opinion, Edmund yeah. Burke. Um, another guy who sucked uh, and loved himself some laissez-faire economics 
was Charles Trevelyan. Now, okay. This is probably the single most famous name associated with the Great Hunger in Ireland. Um, there is a song called The Fields of Athenry that is today, it's it, for whatever reason, it's become like popular with a couple of different football teams. But it's a song about the Great Hunger. It's a song about like a dude who tries to steal um, food, basically, that's owned oh. by the government in order to feed his starling, starving family. And he gets forced mm-hmm. into transportation. He gets shipped away to Australia. Wow. Um, wow. It's a very sad song, but it mentions Trevelyan specifically. And he is kind okay. of, he is the face of the English causes of the famine in Ireland in a lot wow. of ways. Now, this okay. is not entirely fair, not because Trevelyan deserves less shit than he gets, but because a lot more people had to yeah. come together to make this. But, like, he's all, he's absolutely a monster here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, so, again, um, he's a central enough figure that I think we should peel back a little bit, and I want to give you an overview of his life before we continue. Okay. So, Sir Charles Edward Trevelyan, first baronet, was born on April 2nd, 1807, in Taunton, England, which is probably pronounced something like Terry or whatever, but, like, fuck <laughs> it. His yeah. father was a clergyman, um, and his family had ancient noble origins in Cornwall. His mother was also from a fancy family. Uh, they were very, very rich. Um, they did not get this because his dad was in the clergy. Their family money comes from slave dealing in Grenada. Um, there it is. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, Chucky, Chucky T. Yep. There it is. Um, <laughs> so he was educated locally before his family used some of them slave dollars to send his ass to Charterhouse School in central London. He did well enough there that he gets admission to Haleybury, which is the East India Company's training college. So the British East India Company has like a college, which I think Amazon.com is like four months away from doing that. Um yeah. And and while Trevelyan is at Haleybury learning how to work for the East India Company, one of his teachers is Thomas Malthus. So he graduates, or I don't know if he's graduated, but he leaves Haleybury at 18 and he gets sent to India to study at another company college where he learns. And this is one of those things that's interesting about him. Yeah. As, as British administrators in India go, he's actually like pretty plugged into the culture. He learns several, he's fluent in several dialects of Hindi, um, which is impressive, not an easy thing to do. Um, And he's given a post in Delhi in 1827. I found a write-up on him for the Irish news agency RTE, which notes, Trevelyan had a very successful career in India, including famously denouncing one of his superiors for bribery, a case which was upheld and led to the subsequent dismissal of Sir Edward Colebrook in 1829. This event established his credentials as a fearless and opinionated public servant who was not afraid to challenge his masters. He was later appointed to the political department of the government of India, working closely with the reformist Lord Bentwick, the governor general of India, who later said of him, that man is almost always on the right side in every question, and it is well that he is so, for he gives a most confounded deal of trouble when he happens to take the wrong one. Hmm. So he is a principled man. He is very anti-corruption. But he is also kind of incapable of seeing himself as being wrong. Yeah, I was like, what a what an interesting quote about a person. You want him to be more of like a goblin than he is in his earlier life, but he's not. Yeah. There's he's actually probably more understanding of Indian people and like injustices being done to them than he is to what's going to happen to the Irish, which is not a unique story weirdly enough. It happens sometimes. Yeah. It's bizarre. I, I just yeah, it's like it's it's so yeah. It's, it's, it's like there's racism in both cases, right? There's Brit- there, of course th- they're racist against Indians, but they're different kinds of racism, and there's kind of more of a 
a like uh the 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 Indians are like our are kind of like our children and like we have to yeah, you know, take like, care yeah, of them like, and they're it's, it's they're like our of... beloved little like kids basically. Yeah, right? a white man's burden type yeah. thing where it's w- like whereas yeah. the Irish are these like violent quarrel quarrelsome like uh 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 monsters kind of at least yeah. that's not entirely accurate but like Y'all should know better. The, 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 there's di- like there's different kinds of racism at work totally. here, right? And so a guy like Trevelyan is probably a lot more understanding of of problems that that Indian people are encountering, right? That's why he's so anti-corruption within the company that yeah. he will be about what's happening in Ireland. Yeah. Um, but you know who's not racist? No, I don't actually. I well, don't know who at all who's not racist. I'm I mean, assuming you two. The, I mean, I, I think that's a good safe safe bet. I I would say really, if you want to be safe the products and services that support this podcast because uh, as 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 products they have no minds of their own and are thus incapable of the intentionality necessary touche. for racism you know they do not have the yeah. institutional power to That's right. act any no. forces upon based upon their prejudices uh, it's fair correct. to say that a mattress cannot be racist but yeah. the washington state patrol the, the washington now that said if it is a washington <laughs> state highway patrol act, the authority yes, to yes. enact on their discrimination um, yes. thoughts yes. but if it's a mattress you can feel confident knowing that that mattress will never commit a hate crime mm-hmm. right, probably safe maybe i'm not going to say the same about The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Oh, we're back. So, Trevallion. Um, yeah, the the perfect example of like how two things, two opposing things, can be true about a person. You know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. which I'm finding so much more. The more that I understand, like grow up and just become a more mature adult. Just like this idea of like you can in in one part of your life be understanding, welcoming. You know what I mean? And yeah. kind. And at the same time, a vicious monster. And it's like, it's not, it's not that you're protecting, yeah. hiding one side of you. It's just, you're both. And it's like, like you said, like this, the type of like racism mm-hmm. that shows up in a person like that, which is difficult when you want to do, when you want to make history be like comic books where you're like, no, bad guys. I, I, one of the like, best examples know. of this is if you look at like, if you, you can find quotes from some of the Americans and I'm, I'm assuming the same thing exists in some of the Russian sources of people who liberated concentration camps and were also pretty anti-Semitic, at least prior to that yeah. point. And yeah. like there, there was like a period like Patton wrote some like weird, cause he was like, had some real regressive attitudes towards jewish people yeah but it also the, people could be capable of being racist and also look at auschwitz and go what the fuck but but that's right crazy. like yeah, yeah exactly um because human beings contain multitudes anyway yes um anyway. so charles trevelyan um broadly speaking one of the better employees of the british east india company probably from the perspective of a lot of people who are indigenous indians not to I, again, we're summing up a lot of history here, but but broadly yes. speaking, not like uh, not corrupt or anything like that. Certainly, mm-hmm. so he marries this this broad uh, Hannah Macaulay, who is the daughter of one of the men who had helped to abolish slavery in the British Empire. Which is hmm. like if your family money comes from slave money, that's a nice way of of morally divvying up your inheritance, right? You know, yeah. marry somebody who helped end slavery. That's good. Um, and the two seem to love living on the subcontinent. So I, 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 you get the feeling they probably would have been happy staying there for the rest of their careers. But in 1838, they go back to have a vacation in England. And like, when you yeah. do that working for the company, it's like you're, you're gone for a couple of years, yeah. right? Cause it ain't, it's not easy to get to England <laughs> in the 1840s. You don't like pop back for a holiday. Um, so they go back in 1838 and actually in 1840, rather than go back to India, he gets a job as the assistant secretary to the treasury. Yeah. Um, so again, 1840, not long before the potato blights kind of hit. So he does a bunch of stuff while he's in that job in those first kind of like five years. He reduces corruption. He One of the things he does is he he creates some reforms. Government civil service jobs before Trevelyan are heavily based yeah. on like who knows who and who your family is and who your friends are. And he's a big part of actually changing that so that there's legitimate competition for civil service jobs, which is probably good. Um, again, yeah. the civil service in this case is administering the British Empire, yeah. so you could argue he's just making yeah. this horrible engine of blood work a bit better, which is fair to say, too. Um, but the thing, obviously, that he's going to go down in history for doing is the fact that because he's the assistant treasury secretary or whatever, he is effectively the manager, the guy in charge of the government's mm, purse strings okay. for any kind of relief efforts in Ireland. 
He's going okay. to be the dude in charge of 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 that. He he he's going to basically be the point man for Irish relief. Yeah. Um. Even though there is like there's a relief agency and he's not heading that, but he's like he, you know he's he's the money man essentially. Um. His primary concerns then when it came when this when this the, when the potato crops start to fail and people start to go hungry, his primary concern when he's looking at aid is to limit British financial exposure in funding relief for starving people. Um, he also wants to, the fact that he's anti-corruption, he's really obsessed with the fact that people might get aid that they don't deserve. Um, that like government yeah. funds might go to people who are like conning the government no. out of it. Um, yeah, which yeah, is like yeah. not a but non-issue, right? Like a lot of COVID money like got conned out of people. Like, yeah, if, yeah, yeah, you should care about that, but him carrying it is part of what leads him to adopt this really laissez-faire economic policy um, towards famine relief. Cheats the um, system. Because the safest way to make sure nobody uh, you know, scams aid money is for there I, to not be aid money. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's the, it's the same, Robert. It's all the same. That's the... Yeah. Yeah, and like, we're not going to get into this a lot, but like one of the characteristics of this period is like, they pass work schemes because you can't just give people money to take care of themselves. They have to work for it. And so they have, but for a variety of complex reasons, having people do things that would actually have improved life or infrastructure in Ireland is not popular. So a lot of the aid schemes take the form of paying people to build roads to nowhere. What is the most um, illogical? Yeah. The a lot of dumb shit gets done. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Let's build a road we don't need, a, a road no one needs in the middle of nowhere. A bunch of dumb shit happens like that. Um, so because of men like these, like all of these guys we've gone over, Peel, again, this prime yeah. minister who does the Indian corn deal, he has to be really careful with all this stuff. So again, he's able to avoid running afoul of the corn laws with this initial, he imports 100,000 pounds sterling worth of corn, and he's able to avoid running afoul of the corn laws. Um and it's worth noting in terms of how easy it would have been to stop massive starvation and death. The loss of the potato crop in 1845 is estimated at three and a half million pounds. A hundred thousand pounds worth of imported corn is able to stop oh. mass famine that year. It does not take a lot. Like, it does not take a ton. Um but Peel's actions cause outrage among his fellow conservatives. He attempts to repeal the corn laws because, he, again, he's like, this isn't going to stop after a year. We, we have to, like, take some more proactive steps. And the resistance to this is so titanic that he retires in December of 1845. He's wow. like, I can't. I can't get anywhere with this. Like, this is nuts. The Duke of Wellington, who's the guy who beats Napoleon and is his friend, says, I have never witnessed such agony as what he sees Peel go through trying to get these corn laws repealed. He is sort of successful. They do kind of repeal these laws, but it's debatable as to how much it helps because a bunch of other shit gets done that, like, kind of minimizes whatever. You know, it doesn't work as well as it should have worked. Um, yeah. So when Peel quits, he's like, fuck this shit. I'm I'm out. Queen Queen Victoria brings in a member of the opposition, Lord John Russell, and she asks him to form an administration. Weird. And yeah, I'm not going to English parliamentary politics are always very frustrating. Uh, it, it doesn't work. And Peel gets brought in for six months or so before Russell finally does succeed in forming a government for most of the famine that follows. Russell's government is the one that's in charge. Um, and so guys like Coogan will generally say that like Peel did all right at famine relief. Mm -hmm. Um, but Russell is where things really got nasty. Now, 
other analyses I found will point out that like a lot of the economic policies that were that were used with such disaster in responding to the famine mm. were things that Peel had helped to set up yeah. prior to the famine, and that he he actually deserves a lot of blame for why it. It's just that once it started, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. more reasonable, but he did lay a lot of the groundwork for why it got yeah. so bad. So I don't want to be like yeah. pretending he was flat, just purely again, a positive figure, here. and it's not to flatten um, the past, you know. But I'm yeah. like I. This was a solvable problem. Yeah. Like every time I hear stuff, I'm like, it really was. was. Not, <laughs> it was, was not beyond this their means. Would not ha this would not have been a blip in history. Like it yeah. this was an easy problem. You hear about stuff like the bubonic plague, right? Which kills just this nightmarish chunk of the population. And it's like, yeah, looking back in history, we can say, well, if this had been yeah. done or that or done, it wouldn't have been as bad. But based on their knowledge at the time and the level of resources, it's like I can't, I'm not, like, you no, can't really be like, well, the, someone engineered this viral. to be so yeah. bad. Like, no, it was just like a thing. It was a, it was a thing that hit that they were yes. not, they, they were not ever going to deal with well, you yeah. know, because it just was not possible. It's just a plague, the plagues happen, you know? Um, and there have been in the past, again, part of why a lot of Irish people get really angry at calling it the potato famine is that yeah. like, there have been real famines in yeah, the past where there's famine. just no food. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is not that there was plenty of food being made, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, so he, during this kind of interregnum period, almost where Peel quits, but then he's back because Russell can't form a government during this like period of time. Um, how to deal with the famine becomes the chief question asked of English leaders, because from like 1845 to 1846, the plague, the the blight only gets worse, and it becomes clear that like we have to figure out a longer term solution to this. Like we're we're this is not going to get better anytime soon. Um, so Trevelyan travels to Ireland himself uh, during this period to like see what's going on, um, and he kind of. You know, he does this thing that you see shitty journalists do where he, like, goes to the place where the bad thing is happening, and then he only hangs around rich people and just kind of writes down whatever they say about what's happening to poor people in Ireland. Um, and he's very pleased that uh, when he goes to Ireland, he does not encounter anything that makes him feel differently about the plague or, or about the, the, the famine. So his conclusion is that... Um, we shouldn't do anything, right? That there's, 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 this is like the Irish people's fault and you've just got to kind of let this run its course. Yeah. Um, and while this is happening, that guy O'Connell we talked about, right? O'Connell's uh -huh. still in parliament. He is old and kind of sick at this point. He's past his prime. He's not capable of like really working to the same extent that he had, but he yeah. is desperately trying to get parliament to do something, right? It is not the case that everyone in parliament is just like asleep at the wheel. And he's part of like a coalition in parliament who's like, we've got to do something. And, Trevelyan uh -huh. writes this basically open letter type thing um, where he's like, uh, uh, O'Connell is a demagogue who's trying to stir up trouble and it's going to be fine. Oh, just just don't, we, we don't got to deal with this shit. Um, near the end of 1845, O'Connell gets together a group of nobles and parliamentarians to suggest that the government adopt emergency measures. These included stopping the export of food and allowing food to be imported to Ireland okay. free of taxes, right? Pretty reasonable seeming solution. Um, O'Connell also wants a tax on landlords to fund a public works program okay. that will give people jobs so they can afford food, right? He's he's like, okay, you don't want people getting shit for free. What if we tax landlords yeah. to fund a public works program and then they can buy food and pay their rent? Um, 
this pisses off an awful lot of people. So the guy they have to go to, for whatever reason, the parliamentary shit, there's a dude they have to bring this proposal to to try mm-hmm. to get it, uh, him to introduce it in parliament. Lord Hatesbury? He's a, he's a motherfucker named Lord Hatesbury. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, like, her, right, Yeah, it's H-E-Y-T. Yeah, but, uh-huh. like, Hatesbury, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is... Yeah, <laughs> Lord Racism. Bad guy racism yeah. done. <laughs> um... You've got this moment prop where you the this this guy O'Connell, you know, this yeah. this uh, kind of near the end of his life when he's sort of fading in his powers as a politician, but he's still got like all of this. He's kind of the he's the only he's really like the only Catholic Irish person with any kind of power, right? Okay. Um and he gets together this group of nobles and parliamentarians to try to push this raft of emergency measures, um including like stopping the export of food, allowing food to be imported to Ireland free of taxes, like really basic shit, right? Yeah. Again, he's if you wanted to kind of put this in modern terms, he's not like a a, a far left revolutionary. He's like one of those like progressive kinds of, of Democrat type dudes where he's like, uh, he doesn't want to end. He's not trying to end the system of landlord. I mean, and O'Connell is personally more radical than that. But it, these moves are not super radical. Like he's not saying we should upend the landlording system and give everyone the land that they live on and like yeah. change this. He's saying like. What if we did these very basic things to stop them from starving to death, right? Like, yeah, this like is, these are not radical changes, He's a bare really. minimum progressive. That's, there yeah. needs to be a term called that, bare minimum yeah, progressive. And I, I think, honestly, O'Connell is more of one. Um, okay. But, but he's, he's also very pragmatic, right? And he's old, too. He has tried the more radical shit. He did try to, like, separate Ireland from England. Yeah. That shit failed. So now he's just like, can we tax the landlords to fund a public works program so people can afford to buy food? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, which, sure. which is fair enough. Like what? It, like, it's not like anything did work in this period. Yeah. Of time. Or so, you're uh, taxing the rich. Yeah. I'm not going to blame the guy for trying a more moderate. There's a fun moment with this dude, O'Connell. Fun may not be the right word, but if I'm remembering correctly, this is just something I read. It's not in the script, but like there's a moment when he's talking about trying to end the act of union and separate Ireland and the UK and some some like poor peasant farmer sees him and like calls him the liberator. And he's like is this what you do for a living? And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, then why do you care? Like your life's not going to change at all. If we, get, wow. uh, there's still going to be rich people lording over you and stuff. Oh um, my God. So I think he is, he is personally like, he's pretty aware of things, but he's yeah. also very much a, let's see what we can do within the confines yeah. of the system kind of dude. So for whatever reason, I British parliamentary shit, neither of us are experts on that. And it's not really important. The guy who has to make the suggestions in parliament or whatever to try and get this this series of emergency measures together is a dude named Lord Hatesbury. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I know that. Yeah, (laughs) H-E-Y-T-E-S. But it is it is funny because he's pretty hateful. Um, My Lord. So he yeah, they send this like very modest list of requests to him and he's like the absolutely the fuck not um yes yeah of course and his justification is and this will sound familiar to anyone who's lived through a plague in the last couple of years um i don't know who that applies to but i'm sure a couple of people he's like Mm -hmm. look yeah some of the information about this famine sounds really bad but some people like trevallian are saying it's fine so we can't know whether or not it's a problem and we shouldn't do anything (laughs) until we get more information Listen, listen, I can see out my window because Ireland is a mile and a half away. Yeah, it is 30 feet to the left. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this fool saying 
is not that. So there's no way of knowing. It's not like any of us could just go to Ireland. Yeah, we couldn't. I mean, well, no, Trevelyan went to Ireland. He says it's all right. Oh, but yeah. Oh, (laughs) the homie went. He said it was cool. Yeah. This. Oh, my Lord. It's very. It's not funny. But it's, you know. Yeah, we can't know. We got to We got to We got to hold up. We got to hold up. Let's wait for some more info. Who is Ron Burgundy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in 18. Well, the. <laughs> the direct translation has been lost in time. No, mm-hmm. no it means Saint Diego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, eighteen forty-six. Um, you know, you, you have eighteen forty-five. The you lose like a third of, of the crop thereabouts, and then people have to eat a lot of their seed potatoes and stuff. And so, eighteen forty-six, they plant what little they have, but the 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 the. The potato bug moves in again, right? The, or it's, it's not really a bug; it's a fungus. But like, yeah. it, it hits again, and it hits really hard this time. And that year, the harvest fails pretty much entirely. Basically, a lot of people get nothing, right? Yeah. A lot of folks get absolutely, meaningfully nothing. Um, and a lot of because they're starving. So one of the fucked up things about this, if you've ever seen like potatoes that have gotten affected by this, they often you you could like pull them out of the ground and they'll look fine, uh-huh. like they'll look like a normal potato, and then you like grab them and they'll just like mush apart in your hands and it they, it's this reeking filthy rotting goop soup oh, of potato stuff it's nasty and oh. it you, it's no nutritional value in this but people are so desperate that they eat them oh. that they're and of course that gets people sick when yeah. some people die as a result of that and stuff but like that's the level of desperation they are where like there's this rotting mass of potato and you're like fuck it let's try um, or maybe we can try and cut a piece off and maybe that'll be a little bit, you know, um, uh, people are very desperate. And of course, th- this is so bad that like last year people have to eat their seed potatoes, right. In yeah. order to like make ends meet and, and get something in their bellies this year. So little gets harvested at all that there's just not seed potatoes for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's not only did the crop fail, but people are like, what the fuck are we going to plant next year? Yeah. You know? Even so, even as desperate as the situation is, the government holds against the idea of of stopping the export of food, right? And their justification is that the Irish grain, so the grain that these people who are starving grew, yeah. is is more expensive than they can afford. They can't afford to pay for the grain that they grew. That they just grew. That they grew. They can't afford that. Oh. So if it's kept in country, the government's going to have to have to subsidize its purchase. In order for people, the Irish people, to afford the grain that again they grew, that we had like <laughs> the pretzel, like this, just the oh my gosh! Like this the- is again, this is why Irish people get so pissed when it is referred to as a potato famine. Yes, because there's no fucking famine, really. Like there's a famine, and like yes, people are starving to death, but like there shouldn't have been. Like it wasn't that all of the food failed, you know? Dog, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. How are you? Yeah, man. Just the the getting the i getting the the words out of your brain with a straight face to be mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, they can't afford they can't afford it, so we can't get yeah, like yeah. What okay, are we what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do, dog? They can't afford it, and it's like can't yeah. afford what what they just gave us. What are we gonna do? Pay people to stay home so the plague doesn't spread? Absolutely not. Of you know, not it doesn't. It's you know, elite logic. It's similar I, in all times. It's um, just the same. And again, I'm like, you're. This is the longest, most horrible route to a very simple solution. 
Yeah, it's just you, such you a, would I, think so. I can't get over. Why you can't just be like, hey, look, tell you what, next month, just keep just just keep the grain, okay? Just keep the grain. And yeah. then we'll, we'll, we'll build back next month, okay? Just keep the grain this month. We'll be cool. Well, that, that's the thing. Like O'Connell's suggesting, there's a way to deal with this that keeps the elites in power, if that's your concern, where you're like, hey, you know what? Government's going to pay your rent till this thing's over, you know? Yeah. We, we got you. That way your landlords are still in charge. We're not fucking up this system. They yeah. get to stay your, rich your money for no good. work. Your money's um, good. But uh, that it, would be and, too much. And you that's know? so stupid, because I'm just like, what the hell you care whose name on the check? Don't you just want your well, check? One of the people who really cares is Charles Trevelyan. Um, and he is firm that you cannot subsid you can't prohibit exports and you can't subsidize the purchase of the grain that was grown in Ireland. He he writes, Do not encourage the idea of prohibiting exports. Perfect free trade is the right course. I'm just like, okay, why? Like why just like tell tell me why. So just uh, uh, okay. Um, it's because like, anytime you hear people talking about laissez-faire economics, free market shit, Adam Smith, it's a religion. You know, at the it is a religion. Day, it's a religion. Everything is. But when you like, yeah, when you say okay, when you look at I, I like yeah. this is another reason why like I had I had such a hard time like mm -hmm. like passing these exams because when you say when you build an economic model, you build it on you know, that the mythical average man. Yeah. Right? So this is the average man. So who's the average man? He's 32.1 years old. He's got 2.5 children and three and a half like pets. And, and I'm like the person you're modeling your whole model off doesn't exist. That's not, no one has 2.5 kids. Yep. So I'm like, how are you setting, how is this, I, I don't understand how you could think any of this makes any sense if you build in your model off a person that will never be, but you're, but you're setting everybody. And I'm like, I get what you're saying. Wait, well, when you average all this stuff out, but I'm, but listen to yourself. Like you're, I, what do you mean average that yeah. your model is for an, it is for a made-up person that could never exist in real life. Because nobody, again, I can't stress this and enough, this is, nobody got two and a half kids. This is the thing where it it is it, it gets to, it's it's not rational, right? These people no. are very obsessed with the idea of, like, rationality and that this is a science. But it's not, because when problems of reality can conflict with what they believe about economics they are incapable of adapting to that some you of can't them can't change your model yeah not everyone like, it's the same thing with like any like with a normal religion there of are course. some people who like are raised believing something and then like they reach something that conflicts and they manage to without losing their faith adapt it peel might be a good example that first yeah. prime minister who is very much in, in with this laissez-faire stuff but when yeah. the disaster hits he makes alterations because yeah. he sees that it, like not yeah. everyone is this way but a lot totally. of these guys like Trevelyan are they cannot countenance violating some of these economic principles that they believe in um and maybe you could argue that they just really hate irish people and want to get like, rid of them I, and that's the justification that's right the thing. You know? i'm like you, you pretzel in all this ridiculous stuff just to say what we already know about you yeah and i'm just like you okay you just hate them you don't mm -hmm. think they're humans and you frustrated that they actually need food to give you what you need and you ain't trying to help them motor you just you hate them yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, you doing all this stuff that you and I both know sitting across here. 
what the hell you saying don't make no sense. You know it don't. You know it don't. So just, but you're going to keep making it make sense rather than just saying, ah. Just oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. And that's uh, that's where we're going to leave for part two. And um, right. when part three starts up, things are going to get real unpleasant real quick. But, prop. Yes. Before we hit that that moment, you want to plug some pluggables? I do, man. Uh, I am on my all my socials. I am prop hip hop. Mm-hmm. Although I've been called before prof e hop, and I'm like, what? Because <laughs> they're putting the p mm-hmm. with the h, so they're going oh. prop. And I'm like, because you're the professor of 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 of, of hip hop. Apparently, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dope. It, prop. I was like, I don't know how y'all. I don't know how y'all. What? Uh, whatever. Prop hip hop. Uh, dot com and again at there's uh music and books and the hood politics pod uh yeah that's all the that's all mm-hmm. the things all right well check that out and uh check out ireland when it's possible to go places yeah. you know yeah, without the plague man. it's it's pretty nice pretty nice spot imo galway good town antrim coast lovely a lot of good stuff in ireland belfast Oh, oh I do like Belfast. I, it is it is the city. I've been there twice, and both times I have been to Belfast. There just happen to be riots for different unrelated reasons. <laughs> I love Belfast. Like, <laughs> it is it I'm is like, a thing that happens a lot yeah. in Belfast. I yeah. love it, dog. Like I've yeah. never met nobody. That's we supposed to be closing this show, but I, mm-hmm. I tell you this: like where I, I've always felt like it's very simple. Like Belfast remind me of Long Beach in the sense that I've never met somebody <laughs> from that city that I just didn't like. Mm. Where I was just like, I don't know what it is about your city, but you just make very likable people. You're dangerous. Do you, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like you, you are. I know that you could somewhere in that smile and sense of humor is a cold blooded murder. Yeah, I there, know there's, that. There's a town. As a town, you are good at making Molotov cocktails. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. People, a lot of people with experience melting British armored vehicles. Anyway, podcast. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. 
Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.